0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It is the APC
1: podcast here at A- Ben, Alex, you there? You guys there? Hello. God, we started the pod. They must be off getting a massage or something.
2: what I miss? <laughs> the impression has gone to shit, man. We need them back. I could really use a massage. Re- rehire McCarthy.
1: Anyway, as you probably guessed, it is the APC podcast here at AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation. Talking Packers all the time. The only Packers podcast in existence. That is totally true. Don't Google that. I am Zach Rapport i um, dialing in from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I am joined by my trusty cohorts here, the New York team, Ben Foldy and Alex Patakas. Ben Foldy, how are you, sir? Back from your Spanish vacation.
3: Hola. Como estas?
1: <laughs> Very convincing. Very convincing.
3: I learned, I learned a great word while I was in Spain for retired. Lay it on me. Jubilado.
1: Jubil- Ooh, it's jubilado? Like
3: jubilee. Jubilado. Because it's like you're emancipated, like a jubilee.
1: Oh, interesting. It's pretty,
3: I don't know, it's, I like it, it's a good word. Good food, seafood, I have some relatives there, they were very nice. Wait, you do? Yeah, they, I mean like by marriage, it's not, I'm not very Spanish. Oh. But, <laughs> you know, who knows, you know, 1492, they kicked out all the Jews, who knows. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you this, the Inquisition, not great.
1: <laughs> oh, Alex Patakis, how are you my friend?
2: Yeah, I've got nothing that's going to compete with that. Uh, I'm fine. Yeah, nothing compares (laughs) to the Spanish
3: Inquisition.
1: (laughs) Well, as as you dear listeners have probably guessed, uh, we are going to be talking uh, for a good long time about Packers equipment manager Red Batty and uh, Ed Policy, the uh, chief counsel. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, we are going to be talking about Ty Dunn's notebook dump article. That's a uh, Peter Bukowski phrase um, on Aaron Rodgers' and Mike McCarthy and the split and what went wrong and uh, a lot of other stuff chalked in there, as well as Aaron Rodgers' subsequent sort of rebuttal that he gave in, in, I think, rare fashion on Monday. And yeah, if you don't know what we're already talking about, you've been living under a rock and this probably is not the pod for you. So, but uh, why don't we just get right into it? Um, I, I do want to start first with the article itself as a product. Um, we've all read it multiple times, Alex, maybe we can start by just kind of talking about our, how our thinking evolved as we sort of read and and reread the article.
2: Sure. I mean, yeah. So, um, before it's, it's funny because I, uh, I went into reading the article with an opinion already because I was, uh, as many of us and many people listening are already like a part of a bunch of group chats where the Packers come up and my phone was like blowing up. And I had no idea why. And I, people are just firing off takes on this piece. But the thing that I knew immediately was that, like, the two biggest sources in this piece were Greg Jennings and Jermichael Finley, which honestly made me not want to read it yeah. until I realized, like, how explosive this stuff was. Um, was it, though? I, I mean, I mean, also, we'll get I was that.
3: standing in line for the Prado while, I, while my phone blew up. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to see some Carvaggios." Oh, no, I'm going to have to read about Michael Finley's, like, never-ending
2: grudge. Again. I was blown away at uh, the the way— th- None of the quotes, I think, really shocked me. I mean, I, I think the massage thing was obviously, like, a hilarious detail that I also probably didn't really believe to begin with. I think the Mark Murphy thing, uh, when I read that, was the other thing that I was like, well, that's really important uh i wonder how much weight there is behind that and then i also just you know i just got really angry <laughs> like and I, and I think a lot of that was just that the 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 not the, the things that aren't in quotes right like also seemed to be very leading like the 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 part of it that was supposed to be uh journalistic didn't feel that journalistic either like it almost felt like uh you know it it, it was written in a room with Jermichael finley and and greg jennings and um you know, that there was already like a a take uh, that was, you know, not that organic or uh, I guess an idea that was arrived at um, before the, you know, real work happened. Like, I, I don't really know how else to describe it. Like, I don't know Ty Dunn. I'm not trying to like disparage his character or anything, but like the language in a lot of this does not feel like something that's just, hey guys, I'm just reporting the facts.
1: I agree with you. I felt like, um, you know, there was that initial shock of like, wow, this is like, this is juicy stuff. But it was like this, it's like a really chewy steak or like there's that initial flavor rush. and You're like, oh, this is delicious. And then like you chew it and you chew it and you keep chewing and you're like, okay, wait, I have questions. And like, so the more, <laughs> the more I read, you know, I noticed, like you were saying, um, leading phrases, like there had to be, and anyone could see and and phrases like this that sounded um, Sounded like declarations, but were really just opinions. And I, I echo your sentiment about, you know, was this, was this, did this, is this journalism or is it something else? Like, what lane are we in? It was really actually, and again, this is not me trying to disparage Ty Dunn. It's just me trying to figure out as I'm reading it, like, what lane are we in? I honestly, I honestly can't tell.
2: Yeah. In a, in a football sense, like, I, I know it's journalism and football, but it's almost like I, sometimes there's stuff on social media with, like, the film guys or whatever. And it's like they have an opinion and they just search out plays to validate it. Like, from a journalistic perspective, it's like I have an opinion. I'm going to search out the people to validate it. And, he, and like, the nuggets that I find that go into that is what's going to be presented. That's what I felt like to me. But we also have the benefit of having a... Uh, a uh, graduate uh, of of journalism school, a master's degree in journalism. Are right? you
3: also a graduate of journalism school? Uh,
2: well, I'm. I didn't go to like this beautiful journalism school we're in right now. That's I just true. went to undergrad at FAU and then just started working. So it's not as cool.
3: Most of my criticism is going to come f- of both sides. Actually, is going to come from a journalism school perspective. Professor, Professor Foley, no, on I, I just like. <laughs> so I'm sympathetic. I I I'm sympathetic to Don in some ways, just because I think that. What probably happened is he overpromised and underdelivered to his editors, right? Like, like he probably was like, "Oh, I got the inside scoop." I should have looked up when Ty Dunn was uh, the beat reporter. Was he a beat reporter actually? Techn- yeah, he was. Yeah, yes, okay. he was. But it was for like, you know, like I want to know sources, right? And and Ty Dunn left himself open to a lot of criticism by granting way too much anonymity, by when he wasn't being anonymous using people like Dewan Harris who I did look up before we came on and had a grand total of 52 touches over 3 seasons um, you know like Dewan Harris is below Alex Green in the pecking <laughs> order of like mid of like 21st century Packers running backs in my imagination and if you're going to the Dewan Harris well and that's one of the people whose name you can put in print but you know, there's all these other random people, you know, there's a line where he says he he talked to dozens of people. I think a little transparency and humility on Dunn's part would have gone a long way in, in mitigating some of the criticisms that he's opened himself up to in this piece. But I'm also sympathetic to the pressures of being a working journalist and having to deliver something, you know, a feature that you've promised and in the end, all you have is a bunch of people talking shit.
2: Can I ask, like, off of that, just a a question, um, just kind of going off of all this. uh, Why would Bleacher Report feel like this needs to be written? Because it kind of already has, like, five times. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, this is, like, none of this is really anything. So let's, yeah, I think It's just new quotes from the
3: same people. That is important, is that, in reality, once you kind of step back from the salaciousness of some minor details, it's not news that your Michael Finley is... Joe Michael Finley, and it's not news that Greg Jennings is Greg Jennings. It's not news that Ryan Grant is a voice of reason in all this. Yeah, it's not news that Mike McCarthy. You know, we were on here for weeks being excited that Mike McCarthy was going to leave the Packers at the end of the season. Like we, you know, remember? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's not news either. It's not news that that relationship had turned sour, um, and all of the critiques about you know, the writing kind of crossing this line into opinion. I think that's really a reflection of the fact that Dunn had to write his way around the fact that there was not actually much in the way of a smoking gun.
1: Can I can I give you an example of, of you, what you just said? Not, there's not a lot in the way of a smoking gun. There was at some point in the article, he quotes someone who he says was close with Rogers but has Ugh. since been cut out of his life which is clearly a family member
3: one would imagine but also just like name that person who are yeah. you like like there's yeah. literally no reason to not name that person
1: but the quote itself he's i'm going to I'm going to read this quote here this is a, this is a quoted source about Rogers and conflict avoidance the quote is from the person who used to be close with Rogers and no longer is I guarantee you, I guarantee you, he never, maybe once or twice, but mostly never ever addressed any of those things with Mike, which means all it did was fester and poison it, end quote. And then Ty Dunn goes on to say, and so it festered and festered. And to me, it's like that Actually, quote he Actually, he
3: doesn't say that because he gets the tense wrong, because that jumped out at me. He just says, and fester and fester. But that's like a really nitpicky thing on my
1: part. <laughs> I mean, the quote to me, though, is essentially advertising itself as conjecture. And like, it's not, right. you know, it's and it's there's there's a lot of moments like that where there are these quotes, which, by the way, this one I've tried to emphasize is barely English. And well,
2: there's another one, too. Well, let me where, there's Well, a, and, can, and while you're looking for that, can we also say, like, when I was going to bring up, like, why this had to be written? Um, Why? Do, why does, you know, you know what you're going to get when you're going to that person? So why do you go to a family mo- like none of again? None of this is new. Like to me, that's like almost offensive. That that someone based on their family relationship is gonna then like say, well, because Aaron is estranged from his family, he probably is also acts in a similar way with his head coach. Like that's to me, that's just a totally unfair leap. Like even made by by his you know like by his assuming it's one of his brothers. Um, that that to me feels like just a totally like a conclusion you can't draw. Like, this is yeah. his fucking business. He's the quarterback. Yeah. He's a multi—he's a hundreds-of-millions-of-dollar quarterback of an NFL franchise. There's probably a really good reason he doesn't want to be your family member anymore. That doesn't mean he's going to treat Mike McCarthy the same way because he respects Mike McCarthy.
1: The family stuff really bothers me because it's—I mean, firstly, the family stuff, it's just like a big hot pile of none of anyone's fucking business. But—so here's an, here's another quote, um, and this is Ty Dunn writing fa- uh, famously— quote famously, that included suddenly cutting off his family and close friends in 2014, end quote. Suddenly to who? It's not easy to cut yourself out from your family. And probably if you're doing it, there's a damn good reason that has existed for a very long time. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong to do it. But I am saying that when it comes to your own personal well-being, like sometimes you just got to say, we're done here. And so then to later to have some some person who quotes um, he quotes another anonymous uh, person who says, you know, I don't know how someone changes completely that whole, you know, that whole flip for no reason. I can't even fathom how someone does that. Like, I can easily fathom that. And it just seems like, I don't know, it's just like really picking and choosing people who have predetermined uh, ideas about Rogers, but also ideas about family and the way things ought to be. There's a part where it talks.
3: Oh, yeah. Rogers usually chose midgame tantrums over constructive conversations. I guarantee you he never... Maybe yeah, this is the same quote that you talked about. But he says Rogers usually chose mid-game tantrums over constructive conversations. But there's no evidence of any of these mid-game tantrums. Like, give me a fucking anecdote. Yeah, I mean, we're give re- me something. We're
2: doing body language there. We're doing, you know, the angry chin strap unbuttoning And yeah, like, like he, he's it. very clearly said some strong things to McCarthy on the sideline.
3: There's not a lot here. At the end of the day, like, there's just no smoking gun of anything. I don't know. I, it's a, this weird thing where I'm just like, if you're if you have to go to Dewan Harris, like you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think to Ben, to your point, like there's not a lot here. I, I kind of I tried to make a list of like what are the provable points in in this article that that I think are valid? And I got a short list here. The offense got stale. Talent dwindled and McCarthy did not innovate. So Rogers had to play Superman for a bit. Okay, I feel like you can maybe prove that, but you can't prove that he was seizing control. Some people say it sounds more like Rogers was granted control, you know, and that's another one of those pick a lane things, like you're describing Mike McCarthy like, is he the CEO coach who's getting a massage in his room and delegating, or is he a stubborn control freak who relished taking credit? You know, I don't know. But the other points, um, you know, McCarthy... Had a noble rhetoric in his press conferences and, and not in action. Okay, sure. McCarthy's offensive focus left the defense, you know, never hitting in practice and left them feeling like they were soft and left other people thinking they were soft and oh, okay. And then the last point I have is, you know, Ted Thompson as, as a GM, his style eventually left holes in the roster and the makeup of the team and and the chemistry. But none of the things that I've listed are new and none of the things that I've listed are like the juicy things in the article. I don't know.
3: I I mean, some of it just doesn't even make like internally logically consistent sense. And like, I'm just going to go to the article for a second. Um, He is entitled. I I refuse to say self entitled because it says that like twice in the piece. I'm like, what does that even mean? He is entitled. Just say entitled. Um, (laughs) <laughs> the moment Rodgers inked his new contract, one that could earn him off to $180 million, Finley knew a storm was brewing because Finley, Rodgers' number one tight end for four and a half years, remembers the entitlement his QB had even as a first-year starter when he was broke as fuck. You gave a man $200 million. Finley says he's the GM, he's the organization, he's the quarterback, and he's the head coach. He has a sense of entitlement already, and then you give him $200 million. you make him one of the highest paid in history, it comes with the territory man, I think Rodgers' man-to-man needs to take a little more blame. So wait. He was entitled before he had the money.
2: Broke his fuck first round draft pick like, in the NFL. So maybe
3: he just is competitive. <laughs> like maybe, like I just, like there's, there's a logical consistency in that two-paragraph spread. I don't understand what he's trying to, like I the mean, point. yeah. Like if, if the point is he thought he was the best quarterback in the world, which he was, and then got paid like he was the best quarterback in the world, which he was, like I don't have any that's not entitlement that's you getting paid what you're worth and if he was already like a kind of a lunatic before he got a bunch of money the money's not the issue right like Aaron Rodgers is a lunatic that is not a news flash right yeah like and I say that I'm I'm not saying lunatic in a bad way like I'm just like he's a weird dude and that's fine and like he's hyper competitive and I just don't understand what the what's the there there is the argument that Aaron Rodgers should not have gotten the the big contract that he got because that is patently absurd he's the greatest quarterback there is like point finale
2: yeah I mean I I think the the argument uh from Finley and Jennings and uh, so much of like what they're probably uh hung up on is that they either felt like Aaron got so much credit for, you know, a lot of good that they brought or that he didn't take enough blame um, for certain things, which like, again, I think is just crazy to me that there was I mean, this was like a long time ago. I don't remember who wrote it or who said it, but like there's that example of how, um, you know, somebody like kind of like what was in the article about about a miscommunication, like in a meeting. And a coach is like yelling at Greg Jennings, and Greg Jennings was all sour because he, Aaron Rodgers didn't like just take the blame. Like being Aaron Rodgers, he could have just been like, "Oh, that's my bad," because then everyone, you know.
1: I think I think Donald Driver was commenting on it and saying, "You know, that's what Favre used to do. He used to basically take the blame," which is like, uh, it's not a good point. <laughs> yeah. No, also, and
2: Favre was
3: famously shitty teammate in some ways. Right. Yeah. And and, and just because this, yeah, I mean, even famously shitty quarterback or teammate, to the Green Bay Packers as an organization. Like, let's not forget, he single-handedly tried to torpedo the organization. Right.
2: I, I think, yeah, totally.
3: I like, mean, it's just, and, so that, and and we we're here talking about how Aaron Rodgers is entitled. He never pulled a Favre. Yeah. Like, what are you talking
2: about? It's crazy. The way that Aaron Rodgers was painted as a, kind of like a, almost like a cancer, uh, amplified by a, presumably false quote by from mark Murphy cause saying don't be the problem is really crazy to me and again like it's two guys uh like aaron continually said and if aaron really was a dick and so hard to like get along with and a bad teammate and didn't have leadership skills like he also has like this guys who played these same positions that are like some of his best friends in the world, you know, that will still speak glowingly. Like what again, I just put it like, okay, if if on one side of the argument is your Michael Finley and Greg Jennings, and on the other side of the argument is like every captain that ever fucking existed for like a Super Bowl-winning team that was really good for a long time, that the organization believed in, that like the coaches believed in, that were basically these model examples: the Jordy Nelsons, the Charles Woodson's, the John Coons, the, like all of these guys, like. I mean, Aaron kind of alluded to it Back in the, the ESPN Milwaukee thing, uh, that amazing, like, 90 minutes worth of just, like, him being totally honest. But, like, who's who are you going to put stock in? Like, the two guys yeah. who have every reason in the world to be disgruntled or guys who, like, have moved on from the Packers and have zero, like, hard feelings against anybody in the organization and they were the leaders when they were there. You know, like, at the end of the day, Jennings was a great talent. Um but he was probably expendable from a team chemistry perspective, and that probably bothered him. And he was expendable
3: from a, like, on-field perspective. He didn't do shit well, after that, he left yeah, the Packers. exactly. Um, so that,
2: too. Like, to me, that's crazy. Like, those are the—I mean, ugh. Well, man, also, like, spot, spot the contradiction okay.
3: here, right? To, this is about Jennings. To illustrate, he points to his own broken relationship with the quarterback because he is confident that he's done everything in his power to mend it. While Rogers has not, he punctuates, by any stretch of the imagination. Covering a Packers game as a member of the media, Jennings tried to get Rogers' attention, but the quarterback refused to acknowledge him. Jennings spoke to McCarthy. He spoke to his trainers. He spoke to everyone he could to set up a man-to-man chat. No cameras around and never heard a peep back. Not that he was surprised. So this is your effort to mend a relationship? Like, what? <laughs> like, is Rogers not right about you? If you're just, like, first off, you've never apparently said anything nice to him that I can remember since you've left the team. Like, you've never... Does doing
1: everything in your power include being the main source on, like, several takedown pieces? I don't like... Yeah,
3: exactly. It's just, like... And then and then there's a, there's a patent lack of sincerity. It, and it reminds me of the family thing, too, which is, like, oh, we're so upset about our son. This is clearly an in-house thing that we are discussing on The Bachelorette. <laughs> like there's a patent lack of sincerity there.
1: When, when I think about the Jennings thing, I also think, okay, like, when, when did it start? What happened? Who is Jennings the person? Do we know other than what he's said? No, because Aaron Rodgers doesn't say anything. But Ty Dunn does go on to say in the piece that Jennings also has a broken relationship with all the other receivers that were on that team with him at this point. <laughs> right. So like, what does that say? Yeah. Oh, so
3: I want to I point out one other thing that uh, from a strictly kind of like journalist critique in this kind of piece you have to be really i don't know about i i like this piece is a good reminder of why i'm not a sports journalist in a lot of ways um but the if i were writing a investigative piece about you know whoever there would not be you have to give a lot of chances for that person to respond a lot a lot a lot you have to you know it's not good enough to say oh i left messages and they weren't called back you have to say It's basically, you have to give them, like, a process server, basically. Like, you have to send them, if they refuse to respond, you still send them an email with all of your points. You know, we're going to say that you did this. We're going to say that you did that. We're going to say that you did this. And if they don't want to respond, they don't want to respond. But you have to give them that shot. And as far as I can tell, Ty Dunn's, like, this is another thing where that transparency is going to matter. Um... Ty Dunn just said Rogers and and McCarthy. Neither Rogers nor McCarthy could be reached. I'm like, all right, that's pretty weak sauce in the uh, giving people a chance to respond department. And also, same thing from an investigative journalism perspective. There's always this thing that's kind of annoying. It's not a graph you like writing, but you have what's called a to-be-sure paragraph, which is basically you kind of try to, if they don't respond, you kind of try to make the best argument you can for whoever you're talking about for them. So you're like, to be sure, uh, you know, other companies did this bad thing. We're right. just writing about this one because such, such, and such, and such.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah.
3: And there's none of that here. Like, there's just really, there's a really glaring lack of perspective that is exacerbated by the fact that, There's a real, there was like a willy-nilly approach to anonymity with no explanation. That there's just a lot going wrong in this piece from a from a purely journalistic perspective.
1: Rogers did respond, um, and in a rare fit of broadcasterly chops, I'm going to throw it to an ad break here, and then we will talk about Rogers' response uh, right after this. Support for this show comes from
4: Sylvan Learning. and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: All right, we're back, guys. The the article drops, the internet breaks, and Aaron Rodgers then goes on to do a very un-Aaron Rodgers-like thing, in my mind, and that is to address the article very specifically, pretty much point for point. For nearly 30 minutes in in what is usually um, what is otherwise like usually a pretty fluffy annual off season interview that he does with Jason Wildy and Mark Tauscher on ESPN Wisconsin Alex you read the article it marinates and then you get audio from Rogers himself where he sounds as vehement as I can really ever remember what were your initial thoughts after hearing him speak on this.
2: Oh, man, Uh, when when uh, ESPN Milwaukee aired the first 27 minutes uh, that were uh, so specific to this piece, it it was I had I got a rush like the way I get when I'm like watching the games. Like when I see (laughs) when his performance just starts to rise and he gets rolling and he just rips the soul out of teams like that's what I felt like. I I felt like it was the Packers versus this article and Aaron Rodgers just like came out of the locker room the second half and just fucking ripped its heart out. And I, you know, I got really excited because, um, you know, like, again, I think that there was so much of it that I was so angry about. And then to hear him just kind of like when you listen to him address this entire piece, like, first off, how he could recall, like, so many different things about the piece. Like, he clearly spent so much time, like, reading this and had a response to every single thing. And someone that calculated, like, it's so obvious that like again, that inconsistency thing. Like some of the things they're pointing to in the piece would make you think that oh, like Aaron Rodgers is just like unknowingly a dick to all these people and that every you know, all this stuff that he does, he just goes about his business and acts however he wants to act. Like, does that sound like someone who's like that? Like there's intent behind every single thing he says and does. Um, but no, I was, I mean, I was just like super pumped. And I was really honestly, like, from a future perspective, um, was really glad that he debunked the whole uh Mark Murphy thing cuz to me like as many things that I thought were unfair that was actually concerning um if it, it, it the, the part about that conversation and if Mark Murphy really did say don't be the problem uh, I would have an issue with that and it would make me feel weird about him and think that he's kind of an idiot I mean that's another one of those things where you wonder
3: I mean Where's the sourcing? And there's who's the lot source
1: of... on a private phone call between two people?
3: Yeah, that's <laughs> I an know. issue. Um, but I, I do want to say so. Roger's response, for the most part, in terms of like matters of fact, I think was fine. Um, he was asked if he was given a chance to respond. He well, yeah. And that's where I think there's gonna there's more to the picture than something. Something's missing. Like somebody's not. This is Dunn's fault for not being transparent about whatever he did to try to get in touch with them and how much of a chance he gave them to respond. But Rogers was really a little cagey when asked what his chance to respond was. And he said, oh, we told them uh, that I'd have my Wednesday media availability, but that wasn't quick enough. And they wanted—he said said that he thought they wanted to,
2: like, get it out before— before his availability on
3: Wednesday. But to your
1: earlier point, Ben, do you think that, that there was that that process that you spoke to of like, of, of, of Dunn or whoever at Bleacher Report reaching out with, here's all the points that we are going to say and, uh, unless you respond?
3: Maybe, maybe not. But it does sound like Rodgers had more of a chance to comment than was let on. Um, and... You know, when you're writing an article that you think, if if you're writing an article about somebody and they think that it's going to be a takedown or whatever, they're not going to want to talk to you and they're going to try to hold as much information as they can from you. Hope you get something wrong. You know, it's, it's kind of a, it's a bluffing game. I can give you an example. I basically figured out that this pension fund had lost a bunch of money in this deal and they wouldn't tell me how much money they lost. So I had to reverse engineer and come up with this kind of estimate of how much money they lost and, um, went to them and was like, okay, we're going to say you lost this much money. And they're like, you're not right. And I was like, yeah, I'm probably low. You want to tell me how much money you lost? And they're like, no. (laughs) And so we published that number. They come back later. They're like, you didn't get the number right. I'm like, yeah, tell me how much money you lost. And they're like, no. So, (laughs) yeah, you know, it's this game, right? Like, it's like, it's a, it's a game where they think that you don't have enough to go on. and that you're not going to be able to convince your editor that the sourcing is good enough. You know, it's like, and I think Rodgers, like Rodgers and the Packers know how to play that game. The Packers are famously tight with the media. Well, and, they, and
1: it's a a game has players, players need incentive. So what is Aaron Rodgers' incentive to respond, to, to, to like participate in this? He might not, he I, might
3: not, he probably, he doesn't have one, sure. But that doesn't mean that saying that, oh, I have my normal Wednesday media availability please come and ask me all of these points about what right. Michael Finley said about me in front of a room like that isn't going to happen and you know that that's as good as basically saying no comment and to present that as to present that as your sort of availability right is is a dodge and and I was a little disappointed that Tauscher who's obviously a friend of Aaron Rodgers and and Wildey, who might as well be a friend of Aaron Rodgers they let him slide on it. Like they kind of yeah. just moved
1: on from that. Yeah, um, they, They're so definitely do, chummy with him and you do have to keep that in mind.
3: Well, and I, I just, I'll, I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying that I think there is more to the story of, you know, this didn't come out of nowhere. I'm sure Rogers had some inkling it was coming, had an opportunity, some opportunity to respond. And again, part of this is undone for not writing that transparently into his piece. And instead writing these kind of like editorial overwritings of it festered yeah. and festered and festered. Um, but I also, I'm a little disappointed in Rogers coming back with this kind of like vaguely fake news um, allegation. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I don't, I don't think that's really helpful. Um, I think you just, I think you kind of just say like, okay, there's some disgruntled people perceptions of events differ and whatever Like you don't have to really go after this kind of weird kind of media critique of like oh you're just chasing clicks and you had to get it out so you didn't listen to what i had to say
2: he did mean, get pretty specific, though, in in like debunking, I guess, some of these things, and I thought like the most interesting. But he also, part, but he also confirmed some of the
3: things, right? Like he didn't deny. He didn't
2: deny saying that joke to Carlos Rogers. Yeah, exactly. Which is fine because I also think that it, you which
3: know, is. I mean, it's fine. It's there's whatever. multiple
2: examples of him talking about Greg Jennings, almost like in the. I mean, I understand why Greg Jennings got mad in the first place.
3: Look, Greg Jennings was is is clearly a sensitive person, right? And it's yes. funny that he keeps projecting that onto Aaron yeah. Rodgers, um, who is, by all accounts also a sensitive person yeah like everybody in this They're all is sensitive. very sensitive yeah.
2: very very much um, um i i i mean i thought the the stuff with mccarthy like that that the whole this piece was probably written because it was like what went wrong why didn't they win more uh the the coach quarterback relationship wasn't that good and i think that in some ways all of this stuff got written and talked about like over and over and over again because of how famously tight the packers are because like the stories that we're going to make up And the, the, like, you know, how far we're going to take it in our minds with how much these guys may, like, not like each other is always going to be more than what it actually is. So, like, I thought one of the most revealing things about, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers' response was when he, like, you know, for someone who the article paints him as, like, never thinks that he's wrong, never, you know, whatever, thinks he's like God's gift and everyone else is always in the wrong, like, he was uh, very clearly really, really regretful about what he said after the Bills game. And you know how many conversations there probably have been between him and Mike McCarthy, like the one that he said happened on a Monday morning where he came in and apologized to him. They hugged it out. It ended with, I love you. Like, we're in this together. like what I, If that's true, that shit probably happened so many times. And that probably happens everywhere. They're never going to come out and say something in the media about it. Like when when McCarthy, you know, when Rodgers goes to his locker on Wednesday, he's not going to be like, oh, hey, by the way. Yeah. Mike and I had a meeting on Monday and, you know, this is all the shit that they're trying to hide from everybody. So, yeah, we see Aaron on Sunday getting pissed off and he's pissed off after losing a football game or whatever it might be. Um, You know, whatever happens on the field in the heat of battle. But it's never addressed again, and we just assume that, like, it is festering like that. Like, it's probably squashed by, you know, the time the team comes back to work on, on, on a Wednesday morning for the following week. Like, yeah, I thought that was really important. Like, he really stood up for his coach that some people thought he got fired, and he definitely played a big part in getting him fired. Oh, and, but...
3: he, and he also, you know, he, he, he squashed the beef, right? Like, he basically, he went out there and he's like, you know, Mike McCarthy lives in Green Bay. Right. He's a part of this community.
2: Like he went out of his respect. way to try to make other people respect him. Yeah,
3: which he, it, which is good. Like, didn't he say so, he said something about Jermichael Finley's hospital room? Didn't he? Oh yeah, he
2: like went on this. He like went. Like, he, he, went he got pretty, rolling about how he was a good leader. He with, went pretty with hard on some. Like, just couldn't follow. Yeah,
3: uh, I mean, well, and, I mean, the, let's also talk. I mean. It wasn't just Aaron Rodgers who defended himself. It was Jeff Janis, who was talked about in the piece and apparently not reached out to for comment, which is kind of a shit move on Dunn's part, now that I think about it. Um, It was uh, James Jones. It was... Who else? like There were some high-profile defenses.
2: Oh, like just not in the piece, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, like, yeah. like uh, in social media. And well, whatnot. he said he heard from like hundreds of people, which I, I mean, I believe. I'm glad everybody's He's like ever- throwing these completely useless numbers around, like
3: dozens of former Packers, <laughs> like DeWan Harris, and hundreds of people around the league. Thanks, guys. Be specific. It
1: is interesting that um, Rodgers had a number of high profile people come to come to his defense after this article, um, but McCarthy, not so much. Rodgers himself is. As far as I can tell, the only one who really goes to bat for uh, McCarthy, Alex, it sounds like you think that him that that was believable coming from Rodgers.
2: Yeah, I just think that's way, way more realistic. Like, I think that th- there's definitely still a coach quarterback strain and it definitely got stale. But what's more realistic, like Aaron Rodgers, like actually like going out of his way to sabotage his coach and, you know, or or. or uh, you know changing the plays all the time because he has the ability to do that which is given to him by the coach and they probably review things and you know I'm I'm sure they got a, a ton of arguments all the time but I, I, I think what's believable when you're a professional quarterback at this level like at that level. Um, who clearly still wants to win, like he said. He's like, do you think that I wanted Mike? Like, if I was doing my job well, Mike would still be here. Like, that. at the end of the day, like, his goal is to win. And he's literally playing on a broken leg. Yeah. So, I mean, I I just think that, you know, it's, again, you always want there to be more drama than there is. There was definitely drama, but... It's it's drama that probably exists in a lot of NFL locker rooms. Like for shit's sake, the Patriots absolutely their their quarterback locked his backup out of a building because he like he didn't want him to succeed. Like that's fucking drama yeah, too. Yeah. Well, man. that was another
3: weird thing in the piece was this kind of comparison to Tom Brady which was totally
2: weird and bizarre and unnecessary. And yeah, but look how many disgruntled expatriates come out and say things about the organization. No, no, no. It's no, never about I, Brady, because he's not that as important. Like, he doesn't set the tone of the organization.
3: Yeah. Well, and also, like, yeah, just who cares? Like, yeah. like you're comparing <laughs> him to, like, he's 10 times the quarterback that Tom Brady is as a, as an actual, like, physical quarterback. Like, I'm not talking, like, whatever, winning and yada, yada, yada. Who cares? But... Anyway,
1: Ben, you mentioned um, you mentioned Rogers playing hurt. And I want to transition to that sort of as our our final uh, topic of conversation here coming out of Rogers rebuttal, which is that Rogers revealed that uh, part of the injury that he was dealing with all last year was a tibial plateau fracture, which is like the upper where the shin meets the knee. It was basically fractured all year. Doesn't heal unless you're not playing. So he had I think it was a it was a, a knee sprain as well as that um MCL, alex I think. I, th- I think that's right alex do you feel any differently about the tape that rogers put out last year knowing now sort of the extent of this leg injury
2: yeah i do uh we kind of you know we we i feel like we alluded to it a couple of times we had to keep reminding ourselves like oh yeah oh by the way he's hurt and then uh you know when when mina kimes came on she that her big thing was like he's not healthy and you know she's someone who spent a lot of time with him and uh, probably speaks to him at a level that's a little more personal, and like I feel like it's easy to forget um, that these guys again, it's uh, they're hiding things from us, so we just guess. So when he's active and it's and he's saying at his locker like, oh yeah, I feel great, like he doesn't feel, you know, like the, <laughs> now that we know medically what was going on with him, it's hard to really get pissed off about I don't know a couple of missed throws a game when usually he has sometimes you know none. Well, that's um, also I mean
3: like that's a Farvian feat, right? Like. You know, Brett Favre yeah. is is one of the toughest people probably to ever play football. Let's be real. Like, you know, Favre is is an Iron Man par excellence. And and even before he made the NFL, he had whatever, like two thirds of his intestine taken out. And that's why he got addicted Ugh. to painkillers in the first place. Yeah. Granted, being being addicted to painkillers helps, maybe, but um,
1: I heard you know. some story about Favre getting a, a medical exam before coming into the league, and they're like, oh, you have no cartilage in your knees. You <laughs> yeah. have no knees. Well, he
3: had, he had a really bad car accident in college, yeah. he, and he had to get a bunch of his stuff taken out. Um, the, uh, but, you know, this is the kind of thing that if you, like, this is the kind of thing where, you know, John Madden on Monday Night Football is like, oh, he's so, he's gritting it out. Like, look, he clearly broke his thumb on that player's helmet. And he's still out here. <laughs> Like Rogers has that, and yeah. he has that toughness and that like cold.
2: I don't like. It I... took him not being able to see to take himself out of the game in the last game. <laughs> was that concussion that was which, hard to hear. <laughs> now also, you can argue Favre wouldn't have come out, and he probably wouldn't have. But no, that's Favre, also really stupid. He and it's a, a different he, era. He
3: would have put himself back in and yeah. then come out, which is my favorite Favre memory. Is yeah, when he got concussed, went back which in he on doesn't have down, memory threw it touchdown, and came out. <laughs> but the. Idea, I mean, also, what a fucking indictment of the Packers letting him play the end of the season. Like oh yeah, right. Again, worst idea ever. Ever. Like, guys, what is wrong with you? Anyway. I will say. But it also sort of of sheds
1: new light on why he's so why he's so defensive and pissed off about all this stuff coming out, is that like he really, really? gutted it out for his coach and for his teammates last year playing on a fractured leg, and he's pissed off.
3: Yeah, but I will say this. None of this is giving me a lot of confidence in Mark Murphy. There's nothing in any of this that's like, Mark Murphy really had a handle on what was going on here. Like, I'm I'm still pretty cagey on him. Yeah. And even his response today, or yesterday, when he said... uh, half-truths, like, I mean, and that's the thing. I think half truth is probably the best way to conceive of all of this, is like, it, there aren't a lot of outright denials, right? Right. Like, it, it's it's a matter of perception and it's like, Ty Don wrote a piece where he gave all the kind of perception and microphone to one side of of that perception and not to the other. Yeah. Whether the other was gonna play any ball with that at all anyways, you know, that's not Ty Don's fault, right. but he could have written a piece that took that, made that clear, whatever. Um, but I'm not convinced that Mark Murphy, I, I don't see where Mark Murphy like kind of did his job. In any of this,
2: and it got kind of covered up now because of this Rogers piece. Um, But you know the Q and A with Rob Domofsky that Mike McCarthy did, which was probably what we spent an entire podcast talking about before uh, this Bleacher Report piece came out. Oh, that's um, what he—that's what Rogers
3: hinted this came out for, right? Yeah, he well, was because, like, he's like, oh, they wanted to respond to McCarthy's Q and A.
2: Yeah, but I think McCarthy's Q and A and Aaron Rodgers' rebuttal are pretty consistent with each other. But again, you know, perhaps a more important story that is less sexy uh, is the way McCarthy feels like his own firing was handled, because um, you know there is there should be kind of like a spotlight on the way the organization since Mark Murphy has gotten involved operates and like, well and, and, that, and it sounds like it was kind of a shit show who wrote that piece
3: last year that that was kind of coming up
2: yeah well there was a sports illustrated piece uh, yeah right? uh, yeah that was and we and we talked culture, about culture kind
3: of a lot about team culture and this kind of weird and i've forgotten
2: who wrote who it. wrote it I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I feel but that better.
3: i mean like that i'm still i'm still cagey on a lot of that stuff and i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure where that stuff's going I'm excited. I'm like I'm happy. I'm happy. Like actual football is coming back. Yeah. Um, like Kremlinology only gets you so far, and it's a very off season. I'm excited
2: about the Lafleur thing. It sounds like Aaron Rodgers is either really good at faking his excitement for playing for uh, Lafleur, or is actually excited about it. Um, plenty of draft draft capital. So too. that's pretty cool. Um, and it was really fun to just like listen. You know, like I, I, we all, you know, Zach. I feel like you mentioned this before anybody, but um. Just how refreshing it is to actually hear it because we used to get it every week on the Tuesdays with Wildy days, which was great. Um, but it was just fun to like listen to him talk about all this random stuff. Uh, I, I like that, that, you know, and he just seems so likable. So I want to believe that that's like the Aaron Rodgers that's quarterbacking the Packers and not this guy that a couple of former teammates just keep trying to tear down. Well, I think the other thing too is douche. that Rodgers
3: is a. He doesn't, you know, the, the Mina Kimes piece really made clear that, like, he's got a lot more to him than football. Right. And, you know, just because Greg Jennings and Jermichael Finley don't have anything other than football, apparently, and including, like, lingering in that in their post-playing days forever. Like, Rodgers, this is probably the last thing Rodgers wants to be talking about. It's like what happened yeah. five years ago, and that was
2: evident after like just getting all that off his chest, moving on, and spending an hour talking about like golf, going and to, and yeah, New Zealand going to a Packers and... bar in Paris, and, yeah, uh, yeah, which I've been to. And that Pierre, uh, my fiance actually knows because she watched all her Packers games there. And I texted her today, and she was blown away. That was pretty cool. It was at a good bar,
3: Bonjour Pierre, if you're <laughs> listening.
2: <laughs> yes, he,
3: he's he's an avid listener. C2 <laughs> et Now that uh, is a écoute.
1: podcast ender, I think. As the uh, polka comes in here,
2: we'll always have Paris Zach.
1: Yes, we will. <laughs> Although it sounds like they're selling the
2: they're selling the Packers bar. I watched. I watched. So we won't. We won't, plane, have, uh, we won't have. We won't have Paris in terms of a Packers perspective anymore, which kind of sucks.
1: I think that wraps up a very spirited discussion. Uh, as the Packers get their uh, their uh, off season program underway, tailgate tour, all that fun stuff. Head coach, new head coach Matt Lafleur looking to uh looking to make his mark we got the draft coming up here in a couple weeks we're going to try to get out more draft content the uh mock draft the Espionation nation mock draft is going to keep going so tex and i are going to keep talking about that lots of fun stuff here in april may june july all the way into the regular season when we hope the dragon will rise and the packers would be back to the form that we know and love so is that your uh, one game of thrones reference yeah yeah well I, i'll say this before we close out uh we bought a new tv my wife and i for for game of thrones it's the first new television i've bought in like a decade and we bought it specifically like yesterday for for GOT. ben is rolling his eyes i can tell from here
2: yeah no he's he's just
3: on his phone now to completely disengaged i'm reading about nick bosa and making grimaces
1: all right guys um at the apc pod on twitter send us an email the podcast at gmail.com uh, subscribe give us a rating on itunes all that fun stuff we are our names on twitter zach rapport alex patakis ben foldy thank you to is it amber over there uh today engineering it is amber Amber I'm... watson in the craig newmark school of journalism thanks to me engineering myself in a room alone in albuquerque new mexico and uh, we will talk to you guys very soon later
3: Masalama.